When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Hi, Tommy. What's up, Ray? Man, you are up and at them today. You know, you can't change all those things that you said. You know, I'm drinking tea instead of coffee. I'm up different time and haven't had breakfast. Come on, man. This is this is baseball time, you know? You you can't be looking at things like that and think it's going to change. I'm, I'm sure Cody just did everything like normal, right? Cody just sits the same old and, you know, get everything ready for an 8 o'clock show and get ready to go, right? Yeah, I was up at five thirty like normal, and I had everything going. Of course, I drank orange juice, not 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 a mimosa, just orange juice, no champagne. Uh, yeah, well, then drink champagne after the A's clinch everything. You that, know, you can you can indulge the. You know. That's what I'm waiting for. Is this the Hawk Master? Who's this? Hey, this is Ray Fossey, Hawk. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I couldn't hear you. I, I guess the whole let me cut the TV down. I couldn't hear you. <laughs> It's a remote. Okay. It says volume down. It says volume down. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you what. I hate this. They bought me uh, this TV, a new one for my birthday, and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you you get to sit you get to sit in your recliner and watch all your That's programs. That's it. That's, That's it. And I got well, you're I got on an hour, ten minutes before I have my first uh, vodka and tonic. <laughs> Uh, well, well, uh, well, Hawk, you're you're on A's cast. Chris Townsend, of course, is is here, and and Cody Lyons, who called you the Commander Coley. Cody, very happy to have you on board today. Did you uh, did you watch the game yesterday? I'm sure you did between uh, your your White Sox and the A's. Yeah, I saw most of it. I saw most of it. I uh, it, it was Giolito. You know, if he's if he's spotting this fastball with that changeup he's come up with, he's he's devastating. I mean, he really is. Uh, you being a former all-star catcher, you know what I'm talking about. You know, the best pitch in baseball is a well-located fastball. It's not a curveball. It's not a slider. And uh, if he's spotting that fastball, and then he came up with that changeup last year, which brought him back in. Two years ago, he was voted the worst pitcher in Major League Baseball. Yeah. And last year he was one of the best, but our club, I don't know if if you guys know this stat or not, I'm sure you do, but our club this year overall, I think is 18 and 0 against left-handed starters. Well, it's, it was 14 and 0 now 15 and 0, but you're exactly right. And then Tim Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. But Tim Anderson, Tim Anderson said, when he found out Lazardo was pitching, he said, thank you. And that was before the game. And Lazardo, Lazardo's good, Hawk, and he's going to be good. But, you know, I want to ask you about, and you mentioned Giolito. As a great hitter that you were, a big home run hitter, 
when he throws the ball now, short arms it behind his right ear, how much do you think that affects hitters? How much is that something that you as a hitter could take notice and, and be able to recognize the pitch and, and be able to hit a pitch coming out of his hand the way it does now? No, I hated short armors. You know, it, uh, it, short armors, they were about six inches quicker than they looked, you know, from the side. And uh, I remember the sixth game of the World Series, we were playing the Cardinals, and uh, it's about the seventh or eighth inning, and they brought in this left-hander to pitch to Yastrzemski. So his name was Horner, Joe Horner? Not yep. uh, Horner. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, and so Yaz comes over to me. Yaz has never seen him. He says, you know this guy? I said, yeah. I said, he's sneakier in hell. I said, he's, he's about six inches quicker than he looks. He said, well, I got no more than that. So we went over, and Sal Magley was the pitching coach who had the scouting report on the Cardinals that Frank Malzone had done. He said, what you got on Horner? He, he thumbs to it. He gets to it. He said, starts all left-handed hitters off with a low fastball to get a hit. He has looked at me, pointed his finger in my face, and said, that's what I wanted to know. <laughs> First great pitch call you a low fastball, and he hit it about 15 rows over that bullpen out there in right center field. <laughs> Yeah, I'll wow. never forget this. I'm sitting in the on deck circle, and I'm saying, I'm talking to my my buddy Hawk. You know, he's a, he's my best friend. And I said, Hawk, that's, that's what it takes. A hitter will never get there. Yeah, no, you, you, you. <laughs> but but you know, I think of Keith Folk, who was with your with your Sox, and right. with with the A's, and with the the Red Sox, he had that short. He was a former catcher. And he had that short arm delivery, but behind right. his ear, he had. The greatest changeup. So when you talk about Giolito, how much the fastball that you can't see, but the changeup when he throws it like Keith Volk did, I mean it was devastating yesterday. And and then he throws his sure. breaking ball, which is even so. Then how much more difficult is it knowing that he's got the good fastball and now the changeup in that same velocity? That I mean that same uh, slot. Well, you know you you know yourself, and you as I said, you were a hell of a good hitter, especially prior to getting that shoulder injured, you know, with the collision with Rose. But uh, you can tell me a guy throws 100 miles an hour, I don't care. You can tell me he's got a great curveball, I don't care, because if he gets it over, I'm not going to do anything with it anyway. And you can tell me he's got a great slider, I don't care, because if he hits the spot with it, then, you know, I'm going to grab some bench. But you tell me he's got a change up, now I guess my wheel's turning, and you're exactly right. Boy, that, that change up that Keith had and also Giolio's come up with. And, you know, we got a great uh, pitching coach in Don Cooper. Yeah. Don gave him a change up. And it was they had some really good camera work there yesterday, too, because you could see the tumble on that change up, you know, when it came yeah. out of his hand. And uh, you can, you know, especially left-handed hitters, strong left-handed hitters, you know, that, that is where their ass out. Yeah. You know, you know, Hawk, I, I mentioned yesterday on the radio, Don Cooper is an institution in Chicago. Like you said, he's a tremendous pitching coach. And in 2018, Giolito was struggling a little bit, and Coop went out and aired him out. He aired him out. And, and all of a sudden, I mean, Giolito's like a sponge, it sounds like. I don't know him, but it sounds like he's a sponge, and he'll take whatever is told him. But when Coop aired him out, of course, Coop said, no, nah, I was just trying to encourage him to do something. You know yourself, having seen Coop all these years, that he, if he airs somebody out, he's not being nice to him, right? No. Now, you know, one of my favorite things to do uh, to do was in spring training was go down and watch Cooper work with our, our good young pros- pitching prospects. 
And yeah. and I'd stand there, I'd stand there because he'd be behind the screen talking to him, you know. And I'd I'd be standing with Coop. And some of the things he would say, I'll tell you what, I just it just buckled my knees. I went right to the ground. Because he aired their ass out. I'm telling you, he would get on you. <laughs> and that's one reason, you know, he, he, Coop, that's one reason. You're right. He's an institution. Uh, you know, it's hard to say anybody's the best in baseball in anything. But I, he Coop's in that category of uh, you can tie him, but you can't beat him. Yeah. Hey, Hawk, today, Chris Bassett, former White Sox pitcher, pitches for the A's today. Now, watching Giolito before – he became that short arm pitcher. He had that big, long arm delivery like Bassett does now. But the thing that Bassett will do occasionally, kind of on his own, we were talking before you came on, even with nobody on base, if he feels his mechanics are off, he'll go to the stretch to kind of minimize the mechanics and maximize his effort. As a hitter, seeing that long arm delivery and the fact that he can drop his his, his uh, variation on his fastball from 93-94 to 68-69 with the curveball, but then also change his mechanics by going out of the stretch with nobody on. As a hitter yourself, what will that do to you, and what do you think, to say, the White Sox today facing him will be able to, to try to do against him? Well, I hope he goes from the stretch. I'll tell you that right now because you as a hitter and me as a hitter, I love to face guys out of the stretch. And Brayu, yeah. Brayu just he just munches up on guys. From, you know that's the reason he's got so many RBIs. He gets these guys from the stretch. And I used to I used to tell Reggie Smith, who was our center fielder and a great center fielder, and he had great speed. And I used to tell Reggie, if you you know, because I uh, Mike Andrews uh, hit first, Reggie hit second, he has his third, I hit fourth. And if Reggie got on, I'd tell him, don't go. I want to get this guy out of the stretch. And yeah. uh, and I, I, we got a guy out there today, though, that's got that changeup we were just talking yep. about. You know, You're right. Michael, he's You're right. I'll tell you what, he's a competitor, and he is 10 points. And if he's yeah. right, you guys are in for a tough day. Now, uh, I haven't seen, you know, that's it that much, but I'll tell you one thing right now. He better be on the top of his game, especially if he's going to work out of the stretch. Well, he, he does go back and forth, but that's a good point that you make about that. But, you know, Hawk, I want to ask you, too, and you just mentioned a pretty good lineup, the, the Boston Red Sox, with Yaz hitting in front of you, you hitting fourth. You know, they've talked about Abreu uh, and how Jason Benetti talked about his mother, Abreu, said, you know, why aren't you working, playing every day? But he is surrounded, and all of a sudden, the White Sox, one through nine, are a very good hitting ball club. From the hitter standpoint, having the supporting cast, how much does it help you as a hitter? How much does it take some of the pressure off you as a hitter, knowing that maybe you're the guy, but now they have to be concerned about everybody else? Well, you can be protected two ways. Certainly, who's hitting behind you, you know, uh, and I'll give you an example. Uh, the year I led the major leagues in RBIs, uh, I, if Frank Howard, who was playing with Washington at that time, if Hondo had been playing with the Red Sox hitting in my spot, he'd have probably driven in 150 runs. Yeah. Because in Washington, yeah. he, you know, he had Bernie Allen and a couple of Eddie Brinkman hitting in front of him. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that, says that, that tells you all, all you got to know right there. So yeah, it, yeah. the thing about our club, though, is I had some writers call me yesterday, and I've said this for a while now. When Tim Anderson goes well, we play great. When he struggles, yeah. we struggle. Yeah. 
because he's the guy, you know, about 65% of the time, the team that scores first wins that ball game. And when we were winning all those games early on, Timmy was going, you know, two for three, three for four, uh, and mixing in a home run every now and then, you know, leading off. But, uh, you want to get on the board and the best manager, you guys got one of the greatest managers in baseball. You know, you've been talking, you've been telling me about Bobby, you know, forever. I want just, and I, I really, uh, you know, love talking baseball with you because of the fact, you know, what you're talking about. I don't like to talk baseball with people who just guess or who are, or never had a jock strap on, you know, I like to yeah. tell, talk baseball with guys who've been out there who know in the heat, how easy it is to fail. You know, That's and right. I think I mentioned this story to you about Jack Nicholas when we were playing golf after I retired. He said, Dad, he said, Hawk, he said, let me ask you a question. He said, uh, that year you led in the major leagues and RBIs. Did you ever go up to the plate with a man on third and less than two out and choke? I said, hell yeah, I did. I said, everybody chokes. He said, I'm glad you said it because I choke. And this is Jack Nicholas saying, I choke. Wow. And, you know, pressure is the biggest killer performance, Muley. You know that. It's the yeah. biggest killer performance. The reason I call him for your audience out there, Muley, is because <laughs> Ray Fox is as strong as a mule. <laughs> that was his nickname, Muley. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, the, way I, the way I handle pressure was when, with Hawk. I used to talk to him, and I'd say, all right, you know, uh, Yaz would be at the plate, men on second or third, whatever, in a big ball game, and he'd pop up a strikeout, which he did not do very often. But he would. Now, all right, Hawk. Uh, let's get up here. We gotta go. We gotta go to work now. And I put all that pressure on him. But at least I recognized it. And if you yeah. have pressure, I mean, you feel it. You better embrace it. You better recognize it because if you don't, that pressure will eat your ass alive, and you know it. And yeah. that's what happens. When you get when you get pitchers. You know, the greatest. I, I played against Mickey Mantle and you know Willie Mays and you know all those guys as you did. And the greatest offensive player I have ever played against or never seen, I didn't play against him, but I ever saw, was Ricky Henderson. Mm-hmm. Ricky Henderson was right. the greatest offensive player I ever saw because he put so much pressure, especially on young pitchers, to say yeah. he just crumpled a lot of those guys. Yeah, you're right, because you walk him, it's a triple. <laughs> you know? And if you yeah. drive a fastball, it's a home run. Hawk, you know, you mentioned the audience, and, you know, for the Cast audience, you know, they may be thinking about Messersmith and McNally as the first free agents, and, of course, free agency right now is, is very common. People may not realize that you were the first free agent in baseball. I think it was 1967 when you were with the Kansas City A's before they yeah. became the Oakland A's, and you became a free agent because of your love for Charlie Finley, <laughs> and yeah. you, became a, you became a Boston Red Sox. Tell us about the right. story, and, and the most important thing is how it did, uh, what it did for your career to leave Kansas City and go to the Boston Red Sox and play with guys like Reggie Smith and Carl Yastrzemski and others on that Red Sox team. Yeah, George Scott, we had some thunder, you know, yeah. Rico Petrocelli. Well, I was with Kansas City, and we were in Washington, and Charlie Finley fired Alvin Dark, who you played for, Alvin. And, right. uh, and so... I, I really got pissed off because we knew we were going to be a heck of a ball club. I was at first base. Dick Green was the second. Campy was at uh, short. Sal Bando was at third. We had Joe Rudy in left. We had Rick Mundy in center, Reggie Jackson in right. And we had some good arms that were coming up. And right. we knew that club was going to be a monster. 
And it turned out to be once they moved in 68 to Oakland because they won five consecutive divisional titles and three consecutive world championships. And they were only the second team in Major League history to win three consecutive world championships. And you'll never see that again. But yep. the way I got was I was going really going good. I was red hot. And, and uh, when, I, when he fired Alvin Dark, nobody was saying anything. So finally, I just snapped. And I, the writers came over to me, and I just wore Charlie Finley. Charlie Finley was Okay, we, you know it, and I know it. Everybody knew it. Everybody who played for him knew it. And then he, he got upset with it. He called me the next morning. We went to Baltimore the, the next after that game. And he said, son, he said, what are you trying to do? And I treated you like a, like a son. I said, no, sir, Mr. Finley, you have not. He said, well, I've fixed up a, a press conference there at the Lord Baltimore Hotel where we're staying. He said, for noon, and I want a full retraction of everything you said. And I said, Mr. Finley, I'm not going to track one word I said. And boy, when I said that, he started cussing me out. Finally, he said, I'll call you back in 30 minutes. And he slammed down the phone. Now, at the time, I was making $12,000 a year. And and the only guy swinging the bat at that particular time than I was, was Yastrzemski. And that was 67. That was when they had what they call the greatest pennant race in the history of the game. They had yeah. the Red Sox, White Sox, Tigers, and Twins all within one game of each other with about, what, four or five weeks to go. You remember that. Exactly. And so I was making I was making $12,000 a year. And then he called me back about 20 minutes later, and he says, well, as of this moment, you are no longer a member of the Green and Gold, and he slammed down the phone. And I, I, Mike Hershberger was my room, uh, roomie, and uh, Hershberger said, what did he say? I said, he just released me. He said, you lucky son of a guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, to make a long story short, two days later, I, was, I got $150,000 from the Red Sox. <laughs> with, with Mr. Yawkey. Hey, Hawk, I got to ask you this. I want to get on your vodka tonic schedule. When can we start having vodka tonics? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you something. This re- this retirement is overrated. It's, that's no. <laughs> this is overrated. I got two kinds of days. At at uh, at four o'clock, I'll have my first Smirnoff and tonic. Okay, <laughs> on Monday through Friday. Then on Saturdays and Sundays, if it's a good TV day, and today is going to be a good TV day because of the game, I'll have my first. Uh, Schmierenoff and Tonic at two o'clock. So you know that's that's my schedule now. Instead of getting up and going to play golf or whatever, I'll just sit here. On my, I watch a lot of TV. I watch a lot of Walker Texas Ranger and a lot of. I've got uh, America's Got Talent. I've fallen in love with that show, and I'm watching Gunsmoke right now. I love Jay Morris <laughs> and I'm getting blisters. I'm getting blis- blisters on my butt. <laughs> that's Hawk, my you're a good man. <laughs> uh, you're a good man Hog, before I let you go you have to tell the story again how you for those again Hawk Harrelson was the first to wear batting gloves in Major League Baseball tell the story Hawk because a lot of people don't realize they see everybody wear gloves they see, they see more players wearing gloves and very few not wearing gloves George Brett stands out as one who does it it's rare but tell the story quickly about the batting gloves, how it started with you, and how other greats looked at you and said, wow, that looks pretty good. 
All right. Well, first of all, I was I was platooning at the time in Kansas City, and uh, I was making uh, six thousand dollars a year, which was the minimum. So, you know, my first two years in the big leagues, I made more money playing golf, shooting pool, and arm wrestling than I did playing major league baseball. <laughs> so, you got to supplement your income when you're making six thousand dollars a year and you're spending thirty. So, Ed Bolts and I used to play Sammy Esposito and Gino Simoli. We used to play on the 25 all in Nassau. And we went out and we played this thing. And we beat them out of a lot of money. And I go to the ballpark at night. At night uh, the Yankees were in town. And they were going to pitch Jim Coates, who was a hard-throwing right-hander. So I wasn't going to play. Well, I get to the ballpark, and the Yankees switch. They're going to pitch Whitey Ford. Well, I go to take batting practice, and I got this blister from playing 27 holes that day. And I had come right from the golf course to the ballpark, and I remembered I had my golf glove and my jeans upstairs. So when the game started, I had this flaming red golf glove, and I come out for that golf glove because of that blister on my left hand. And don't you know Whitey hung me a curveball, and I hit it right over that 421 sign out there in Kansas City. And then I hit another one later on off Pete Nicholson later in that game. So I had two home runs. But when I came to the plate the first time with that flaming red golf glove, the Yankees were all over me. <laughs> I can't tell you over the air what they were calling me, but they were calling me names. And all of a sudden, after I hit that second home run, they didn't say anything. Well, the next day, the Yankees come out. You know how in Kansas City in the old ballpark, you had to come down that long runway to get to the field yeah. from the visiting clubhouse. All the Yankees had red golf gloves on. Mickey had mantle had <laughs> Mickey had to go out and buy two dozen flaming red golf gloves. And that's how it got started. That's a great story. That's a great story, Tony. I don't know if you ever heard that story or not, but no. you know you can say you can say what you want about free agency and batting gloves. You just listened to the man who started both of those. Free the agency, Hall of Ray, the, the Hall, Hall of Famer. Famer. The Ford C. No, Frick no, you're Walmart. you're exactly right. The Ford Frick, and I can't wait till next summer. I was looking forward to this summer to hear the induction speech. I look even more forward to it next year when you go in. Hawk, appreciate your time. Go get that special drink that you have ready to go and watch all kinds of baseball because you, you deserve it. And, and you know what? I keep telling my wife, Carol, I, I know that retirement is not fun. So that's why I enjoy working and talking to good people like Cody and Tony. And especially to have you come on with us today has been very special. Well, listen, you give Carol a big hug and kiss for me. And also, Cody and, and Tony, you're working with a great man. You're working with my own, one of my all-time favorite people, plus a great player. And I enjoyed it. And I've got 51 minutes yet before my first uh, Smirnoff and tonic. <laughs> but, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this, Hawk. You like me from the beginning because I was telling the guys yesterday that High Corbett Field had those backfields, and you, you wanted extra BP, and you say, bring this kid over because he's a catcher and he throws good BP with a four-seam fastball. I remember that. I remember that. You, and so uh, you, you, <laughs> you finally figured that out, huh? <laughs> uh, Great talking to you uh, guys. Uh, thanks for your time, hey, buddy. Tell Bobby Walton I said I'll give him my best, would you? We'll do that. Thanks, Hawk. Okay. Talk to you all later. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.